0: Welcome to The Pestle, reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie-making process. Hosted by reboots, remakes, comic book movies, and sequels to reboots, remakes, and comic book movies. Let's dim the lights and start the show. Welcome, everybody, to The Pestle. Today's show is brought to you by Sugar Papa. Connecting needy people all over New York City. Download the Sugar Papa app now. And Android or iPhone or whatever. So, uh, <laughs> fail. Fail. Big fail. Uh, welcome, everybody, to the Pestle. I am Wes. And I am Todd. And this is the podcast where we like to analyze films, break them apart, see what they're made of. Today's another weird one for me where I'm doing this on the road. I'm in uh, a little stop in Tucson. And so I am recording without a microphone for the first time, maybe ever and so i'm I'm a little nervous so if this sounds worse than normal <laughs> that's that's why and actually uh uh someone posted something really cool last week speaking of what <laughs> what we sound like. Alex posted uh, tagged us in a post and said that she listens to us a lot while like drawing and creating, which I found amazing because my baseline assumption of when people program us into their day was like, as they go to sleep, they were like audio ambient as they listen to the tedium of my notes every week. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was really cool. Actually. I appreciate the, uh, uh, the tag and the mention, um, Alex, and I'm, I'm always curious. So if you want to let us know where you listen or, it, uh, if there's a particular way you like to listen to our show, then, uh, that would be pretty cool to hear about. I've asked you this Absolutely. before, but we're, When are you doing most of your podcast listening?
1: Me? Yeah. Uh, In the car, usually. Yeah, I just, I don't really have time to like sit around and listen to podcasts at home, you know, with the kids and everything. So it's either in the car or, yeah, usually that's it. Uh, (laughs) Just because any other time I don't really have time here. But um, uh, yeah, and then when I'm in the gym, I usually, you know, listen to music, you know, Screamo, you know, the typical No, just kidding. What about you?
0: Yeah. uh, My morning routine is usually like as I'm cleaning my face and brushing my teeth, uh, Mm. my tooth, my one tooth, um, I'm listening to it. uh, And then as I'm cooking breakfast, I have like things that people have given me over the years, like products. I I shot a product video with you actually of that little retro rocket radio. that has a Bluetooth connection. Like Mm. I put that in my kitchen because client gave it to me afterwards and they were like, "Eh, we can't sell that it's been opened. And so you just, you just hold on to that. Um, and so I put that in my kitchen and so I'm like popping around the house on Bluetooth connections. And so then actually in in the gym, if I'm, if I don't have a workout partner, I'm just podcasting. Like,
1: really? You don't listen to music.
0: It depends on the set. If it's like, like a, a heavy set, um, not quite Definitely on a one rep max, but even if I'm at like, getting into like 85-90% of my max, then I might throw on something serious. It's like, okay, I need, you know, yeah, whatever Waka Flocka. No, I don't listen to yeah. Walk-a- You listen to Waka Flocka no. too? Yeah, that's <laughs> an island album right there.
1: Boszy <laughs> <laughs> Bear is the best.
0: So yeah, I most times if I'm in the car, any time it's the rarity is when do I actually listen to music? um and that's few and far between lately uh but i was driving down the pch during my countryside tour of america and i realized about an hour into the into the pch i was like what am i doing i'm listening to a podcast no 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 so i started like cycling through some of my, my my favorite albums like uh i'm a obviously everyone i think knows at this point i'm a big maggie Rogers fan so she got some play um i think i had some porta's head uh, that i listened to and oh gosh uh, tony rich project i actually really loved the, the tony rich project and so i was listening to to him um i think he's excellent
1: yeah and so Don't that was listening to some some sublime you're in
0: California yeah, true. the PCH. You know? Oh, the one thing I didn't actually hit is Dude, Sublime. I mean,
1: I'm not a huge Sublime fan, yeah. but uh, just, you know, if you're on the PCH, I should have I told you. you it's should've, it's should've.
0: worthy. That would have made sense because I do have yeah. a, a mix of like some good 90s, early 2000s electric vibey music that he's on, they on. And so that would have been a good opportunity. Yeah. But speaking of good 90s vibes, what are we covering today? <laughs>
1: Well, uh, that's a good segue. Uh, We're covering the Matrix uh, from I think it was 99 that came out. So if you haven't, uh, if you haven't, if you're the one person on the planet that hasn't seen the Matrix, or maybe you're too, you're too young, pause this episode and go watch it. um, Because we're going to ruin everything. And if you if you don't know what the Matrix is, you should not be listening to this podcast right now. I will say that right now.
0: True story. Yeah, well, we're going to talk about a lot of things. Um, Certainly touch on a little bit of the cinematography uh how they use slow-mo um some of the cheap b-roll that they use and the fight choreography which i really regret not trying to get aaron alexander on this episode because of everyone we know i bet he knows a ton about this film um but we'll we'll touch on that as well and some of the story and writing the world building the way they world build cool through their story structure um that and other such stuff and things and stuff
1: (laughs) so a quick synopsis of this film which is i don't know how you put this into a synopsis but well done when computer hacker neo is led to a forbidding underworld he discovers the shocking truth the life he knows is the elaborate deception of an evil cyber intelligence written and directed by the wachowskis cinematography by bill pope Starring Keanu Reeves as Neo, Lawrence Fishburne as Morpheus, Carrie Ann Moss as Trinity, Hugo Weaving as Agent Smith, Gloria Foster as the Oracle, Joe Pantoliano as Cypher, and Marcus Chong as Tank.
2: Successful credits read, bro. I'd like to share a revelation that I've had during my time here. It came to me when I tried to classify your species. I realized that... You're not actually mammals. Every mammal on this planet instinctively develops a natural equilibrium with the surrounding environment, but you humans do not. You move to an area and you multiply and multiply until every natural resource is consumed. And the only way you can survive is to spread to another area. There is another organism on this planet that follows the same pattern. Do you know what it is? A virus. Human beings are a disease, a cancer of this planet. You are a plague. And we are the
0: cure. I realize to almost everyone that's like one of the most obvious clips. There's probably two between that one and Morpheus explaining The Matrix. Those are the two most obvious. And I didn't think I was going to use that one until I was watching the film, or uh, actually looking for the clip, and decided just to run that one back again, just in case. And something dawned on me while watching it for the trillionth time, the trinity of time, which was every time I've ever heard that clip or watched that clip, uh, it's always given me the thought of, Humanity and the way uh, humanity is, you know, being depicted as a virus. Suddenly it occurred to me there's something else happening within that scene that I'd never really considered before, which is the opposite. Because there's so much focus on humanity, the one thing that isn't really being focused on is the perspective of the agent himself, which is in his worldview, in his battle with humanity, he is the good guy. It's so rare that we actually think about the perspective of the AIs and what their goal is and uh, what they're trying to to do, because usually we just think of it as, you know, they're bad because, you know, they're killing humanity or they're bad because they're, uh, whatever, fighting and destroying so much. But, you know, the opposite perspective is that they're trying to not just survive, um, but maybe they're doing a, a net good by defeating humanity and and I don't know their long-term plan we don't I don't feel like we ever really get a good view of that but that was the one thing that kind of occurred to me he's like oh you know what this is how he's justifying not just his existence but the way they're they're persecuting humanity is by doing a net good of uh healing the world of a virus which is right there on his face of course but I don't think ever really gets you know the finger really never is put on that uh from any other conversation I've had uh, about this film anyway. Well, you
1: haven't talked to me uh, because yeah, (laughs) that first, the first time I saw this movie, I agreed with him. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, everyone does. No, I've never heard anyone suggest anything other than yeah. Humanity is a virus. I've just never heard it from the perspective of this is their own personal internal workings of justification. I've never Mm -hmm. heard that perspective.
1: Mm. Gotcha. Well, I think that's, I think even if, if you, if people don't talk about it, they probably there's probably some aspect of them agreeing with it and like and and noticing it and feeling it. Mm-hmm. That's what makes this movie so great. I mean, and, you know, I don't want to bring up other movies, but, you know, like Thanos, you know, in, in Infinity War. Right. Like there are something about films where you see whether it's on it's on the nose or not. When you see when you're able to get the perspective of the bad guy or of the other side and see validity in it, all of a sudden there are some massive stakes, not just in the characters in the film, but you as a viewer, your what you thought was was right or wrong now is in question by something that you information you didn't have before. And that that's what makes a film timeless. That's what makes Uh, a film like rewatchable because every time you rewatch it, you might think something that you might feel differently. You know, if you're at a good place in your life and you think that the world is, is, you know, doing all right for you, you might disagree, you know, with agent Smith there. If you're, you know, on death's door or like there's, everything is going wrong. There's like bad stuff happening to you. Then you might totally agree if you feel, and you, you know, I don't know. I think, I also think, you know, the question of, do you believe in fate? Right is also very subjective to how your life is going at any particular point. And I think that that's a major, major part of what this film is about. Like, do you have control? Do you not have control? I think you're d- depending on your life experience, that would change, you mm-hmm. know, not for everybody, but I think that it's easy to see both sides depending on what's going on in your life. And which makes was what makes this film so rewatchable is That it just depends on where you are right and i remember exactly where i was when i watched this movie there are very few movies where i feel that way i mean everything that happens in this film is just mind-blowing i've seen it a hundred times but every time i watch it i'm like oh my god this and this was 22 years ago when this came out it's just unreal everything that happens and you think oh my gosh i can't believe that happened oh my gosh i can't believe he said that that's that's incredible. And they're all these like little one liners or little moments. And you're thinking, well, how is he going to get out of that? Or what's going to happen now or or whatever. And they always have an answer. They like ask you the question or they, they give you, they give you a result of something. And then you're thinking, well, okay, that's it. It's over. And they know where they're going, but yeah. you don't. And so you keep coming, going into these holes and coming out of them and into them and coming out of them and finding out new information, but not enough, right? A little bit more, but not enough, right? And uh, uh, it's just unbelievable. And the other reason it's so timeless is because it's mind-altering. It is like, because I I, want to say that people, you know, maybe in the scientific community, the idea that we were living in a simulation was like talked about back then, maybe, but it was not something that most people ever really brought up in conversation or like really thought about. Right. And so so the idea when this came out, this was like a novel idea. You know, it's like taking something that we know to be fact now, you know, and backing up 20 years and talking about it like it's sci fi. And then, you know, seeing a lot of stuff like that that has come out in the 20 years since that actually, you know, really suggests that we might be just makes it even more intriguing. Whether we are or not, it doesn't doesn't even ma- really matter. But that's just on the surface of what of this film. There's so many little layers and stuff that that's connect that connects it. Right. The the Trinity story with him that's woven seamlessly throughout. And you don't find out until she tells him at the end what the Oracle told her, you know, but it's woven like the story is just put together so well where they give you these little this little thing where he asks her in the car. What did the Oracle tell you? And she doesn't get to answer, right? Because for whatever she chooses not to, yeah. right? And then later on, he says, Oracle told me I'm not the one. And she said, that can't be. And and he says, well, why? And then we have this awkward pause, <laughs> right? And then we find out later that because she told me I'd fall in love with the one and I'm in love with you. And, it, it just, and you're like, oh my God, he is. And then he becomes it by not having to dodge the bullets, which is – I have a few lines in here that I just – That blew my mind the first time I saw it. That is one of them. I'm telling you, I'm not telling you you will have to dodge bullets. You'll be able to. I'm telling you when you're ready, you won't have to. (laughs) Unbelievable. There is no spoon. Is that really air you think you're breathing? Would you, what's really going to, what was it? What's really going to bake your noodle is would you have broken the vase had I not told you? (laughs) All of these things are, yes, they're relevant to the movie itself but they're also relevant outside of the movie in the real world. There is no spoon. Oh, okay. What's the concept of that? If I'm holding my phone is, am I really holding this? Well, science would say I'm not even really touching it because atoms can't really touch each other unless they're slammed together, right? In a large hadron collider. So not really, but it feels like I am right. The, how, why does chicken taste like everything else? Well, maybe the machines don't know what chicken really tasted like you know, all of the, would you have broken it? Had I not said it like going back in time five seconds ago, you know, I, we, we do that all the time. Oh, I shouldn't have said that thing that just came out of my mouth. I wish I had five seconds, you know, back in my life and um, just, it's so mind freeing. It's crazy. It yeah. is.
0: And I mean, just to add on to two of the lines you just kind of threw out there, the line about the vase would what's really going to make you noodles. Yeah. Would you have broken it if I hadn't said anything? Because that, I think, ties in even bigger uh, into the overall world, which is the idea of a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I feel like that was just a seed uh, that got planted um, that you maybe don't even see the full extent of in, in this episode. But then something else that she says during that meeting to Neo, which is he asked the question, right? Am I the one? She says, being the one is a lot like being in love. You know it or you don't, you are, or you're not, you know, it's just, it's not something that anyone can tell you. You just know that you are. And it, and and that's so relevant to what Trinity is experiencing at the end of the film. It's excusing the idea of you just think you're in love. No, you know, when you're in love and she knows that she's in love. And so it just perfectly ties up this loop uh, that she's creating, not only with Neo being the one, but it's perfectly encapsulated with, trinity's experience of her prophecy and her knowing that she's in love is the same thing that neo is about to experience whenever he realizes that he's the one um and it's just uh that's a very neatly tied bow (laughs) that's very hard to do but also isn't like punching you in the face with uh with, with itself like that's it's just genius. I mean, this movie really was a brilliant, uh, not just conception, but execution. Yeah. There's, there's nothing about it that isn't like just... I, I mean, there's... I guess we could say some of the visual effects, just a few, maybe aren't perfect. Um, but they're so forgivable. Um And the way that they're executed still works for me. I wouldn't say there's any visual effect that I would really want to change, to be honest, Uh, which I think is also evident as you go into Reloaded and and whatever the last one was, uh, Revolutions. Like They got everything their way and you know what? The way they did it the first time with less budget, better. (laughs) It was just better.
1: (laughs) An interesting thing about that, they blew the whole budget that Warner gave them on that one shot of Trinity at the beginning. And the, the whole thing. Warner gave him $10 million and spent the whole damn thing on one shot. And then and then they showed it to Warner and they said, okay, here's some more money. Make it how you want. Yeah. And originally the um, the studio didn't want them to direct. They wanted someone else. And they said, nope, we're directing or no one is. Yeah. Yeah. And th- so they got their way. And that's, a, you know, stand your ground if you, if there's something that you believe in. And that's so awesome that they did. And I know that people... The the interesting thing about this, because I know yes, it's a trilogy now about to have the fourth movie come out, but it's so encapsulated in this one film. It I, I like that there's three. A lot of people, you know, are not as crazy about the next two. I mm-hmm. loved them both. Mm-hmm. But if they hadn't made them, this movie would still be perfect as it is, yeah. without it without the need for Anything following up it's just so well tied up uh you know like you said, tied up in a bow, the whole story right that like it almost doesn't need it. It's cool that they built out the world and you know and other films and stuff, but that they did it their way with their writing, their script, their actors, in fact, they had to fight to get some of their actors you know I think who is it they they had tagged uh, will Smith. will Smith, yes, yeah. as Morpheus, right
0: no, as neo.
1: As Neo, okay. So it was Will Smith, but it was also like Leonardo DiCaprio, and it was uh, Matt Damon. Yeah, they can't remember. They had someone else for Morpheus that I can't remember who that was either. Anyway, yeah, they they had a a couple other choices for Neo that turned it down, and then a couple other choices for Morpheus that turned it down. And the idea of having anybody else in these roles (laughs) just—I mean, can you imagine? No way. This is it. Just works out so perfectly, and I love how. I love that. Like it is that way, right? We can't imagine anyone else in these roles. Carrie Ann Moss is Trinity. There is no one else that could be. Um, but you know, for her, for example, the first time she ever saw herself on a, like in a movie was watching this movie. She, she had never seen herself in any other movie before this. So like, You know, casting someone like her who had never even been in a movie before. Maybe she had like, you know, other like smaller roles and stuff. But she first time she ever saw herself on a big screen was this film. And she uh, but the the studio didn't really want her because she wasn't like a known name. You know, they were going after, you know, bigger names. And they said, nope, want her. And they got her. They just did it her their way. And I love that. I thought that that was like so strong when you, when you make something that you think is, is really important to stand your ground, even though, you know, you're being told by people who have done it a hundred times not to do it that way, oh, you know?
0: Yeah. I hadn't, for some reason I thought she had like a pretty good resume and she did, but it was all on TV. Like, uh, yeah. she did a ton of TV leading into this and then, yeah, she made that jump. Probably never looked back. I mean, she's incredible. Yeah. What? Oh, yeah. Well, no, cool. I think you're making a great point in that, you know, fighting for your vision and like the luck of it too, because while they did fight for the vision, they got it, they also didn't get, you know, maybe their first picks. And it became mm-hmm. their Keanu Reeves. I, I don't know if he did anything kung fu related before this, but he's, from what I understand, like a really big kung fu enthusiast, martial arts enthusiast. Um, as opposed to someone like a Matt Damon, who is a great action figure, you know, in his own right, I don't see him doing this style of martial arts. Like this mm-hmm. is very, this is the conversation I would want to have with Aaron Alexander because you know he has a uh, much keener eye when it comes to fight choreography and what style is influenced from. You know where uh, this strikes me as very Asian cinema. You know, you look at whatever Crouching Tiger and probably some other pre-Matrix stuff and you can see the wireframe, you know, style of martial arts in this as opposed to something like the Bourne identity that's not wire-based, right? That's all hand-to-hand, you know, uh, melee style combat that's brute force as opposed to this. It's very elegant and beautiful and uh, posed, but it's still absolutely incredible, right? All the... All the fight scenes are very clean. It's not messy in the sense of you never know what's happening. Instead, you see every strike. You always know who is getting a punch in, who is winning, who's losing. And yet it's still very strong visually and interesting. It's you know beautiful to watch. And it still has a kinetic feel to it. It still feels like you don't know what's going to happen next. Uh, and that's masterful work because morpheus starts getting in some good punches and suddenly you know agent smith is turning it around on him like there's a flow that's happening that's seamless and and magical yet uh still very easy on the eyes and easy for the audience to identify what's happening when whereas that's not the case in all fight choreography and for instance whether you're looking at uh this versus uh, the born Identity, just, you know, since I've already, you know, thrown that out there. Those are completely different styles. One is much less about identifying what's happening, right? And more about the emotion and the, the energy of it. And this is about both. This is very much about the emotion and the energy and also understanding what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's it's amazing. I And I love that they took that approach, you know, because we can be in the room with them instead of in between them. Yeah right so it it feels more it's it's not as so aggressive it's you know so the the scene where they're fighting together in the the simulator yeah the simulator yeah yeah i mean all of that is wide angle you know all of that mm. is like you see every movement like you said i remember thinking even when i watched it this time like i'm so glad i'm getting to see the performance the physical performance of them you know, striking each other or trying to right? the effort or right? the effort that Neo is putting in and the lack of effort that that um, Morpheus is putting in. I, I mean, I think that's what makes that so strong is that it, Morpheus is not trying and he's beating Neo. And then you see Neo relax. Right. And then all of a sudden things start to come out and and it becomes more, but it's hard to see if you're right here, you know, if you're right, the camera is cutting a million times a second and everything. That's why it felt different to me because I could actually see everything. Right. But yeah, you're right. It's a totally different style of fighting and, um, and everything, but. And to combine. Yeah, please. Oh, oh, no, I was just going to say, how do you feel about the, you mentioned earlier in your, in your notes about world building. Right. And like, How do you build a world like this where you feel like, this is a big question for me in films in general, right? How do you build a world that you feel like you're there with these characters, but you're nowhere else, right? So, you know, the the helicopter scene, obviously they're in a city. The city is large and sprawling. There's buildings all around them. There's people below them. There's boats in the distance. There's, you know, everything is happening around them. But I feel like I'm right there with them only, even in wide shots. How do you establish that and keep that throughout? I mean, I guess throughout a whole film, but even through a scene, right, where my mind could wander somewhere else. Unless I'm drug in with them and and with them, how do you how do you create that and, and hold that?
0: Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, one of my regrets of this episode is only got to watch it once and take, you know, very brief notes. But I want to say they're doing something very specific with uh, the the cinematography when they're in the Matrix, especially in that first third of the film. Because it feels very desolate, even though you're in a city, um, it feels very devoid of humanity and humankind, and it feels a little too neat. You have that green hue, that tinge, that of green that is just permeates everything. All the highlights, right? It's, it's just washed out with the this this green tint, um, as opposed to when you get into like the real world, right? It's very blue and it's very more gritty. The the camera work seems a little bit more imprecise and. Even some of the uh, the shots in the in the Matrix like feels almost I don't know maybe like there's a bit of a circuit board that's happening I don't know I think the the stuff that really strikes me uh, with the world building is the way they did it alongside the the story structure because it wasn't just like okay we have a cool idea let's throw people into it um, and show all these cool ideas instead they put you through the by using Neo not just as you know. Uh, uh, An important figure, but putting us in his shoes every step of the way by teasing us and confusing us like that first third parallels perfectly with the world building that they're doing. They're going to I feel like this the story I would break into four different chunks. Uh, The first big chunk is the mystery. Like They're confusing and disorienting us with the mystery of the Matrix itself. And so they're going to use the depth of the world to disorient and confuse the audience, right? And that intro scene, that's just still one of the greatest openings of all time. Like There's loads of what the F is happening right now, right? And it starts small and it builds really quickly, but... Right, we're we're in this dark room, and it starts even with the uh, the voiceover of the telephone call between Trinity and Morpheus, and we kind of land in this room. And all this is just while I'm not a fan personally of story uh, storyboards, this is clearly the best case of or the best use case of storyboards ever made uh, because they clearly had a hyper stylized storyboard, and they executed all of it to perfection and so but they start small right it's the agent with the cops downstairs and he's like i told you not to send your men in and he's like we're not afraid of a little and like this is this was for your own protection they're already dead uh and so now you're seeing a woman like doing all these crazy moves and she's beating the hell out of the cops she's dressed in black and so it's getting me giving these questions of is she evil, right? Is she a bad guy? And so right off the bat, we don't really know who the good guys and bad guys are because especially in this era, like and generally, even today, like the, the general vibe is police are there to do good things. They're not there to do bad things. And so if you have someone who's like an outlaw, like you are wondering, are, are we rooting for them or not? Because right now she's beating the tar out of every cop in sight. (laughs) And killing them, killing them. Like she like dislocates this guy's elbow and, but she's doing it and she's doing it very cool. (laughs) Like it looks very cool. And so there's a little bit of, you know, conflict in the viewer, but we see, Oh, she's a great fighter. Then she just walked across the wall. Is this, and there's this confusion on the audience. Is this a style choice? Is it, Oh, this is the kind of movie we're seeing. This is just a really cool fighting style. But then as it builds, right, we start having these gravity defying moments, right? These stunts where she's flying through the air and we're like, wait, what? And then it's confirmed that this is not just a style choice. This is something that the cops are reacting to and saying as the agent jumps across buildings, we see ourselves reflected with the cops whenever he's like, that's impossible. This is not reality. And so now we know, Okay, no. That's such a perfectly timed uh, bit of dialogue because now the audience is able to see that, oh, whatever is happening, this is not normal. This is not ordinary. Uh, this is beyond, uh, you know, what we should be expecting. Um, and So it just grounds us, gives us a, a strong frame of reference there. And, of course, it ends so weird because the agent's taking over this truck or, or this truck is, you know, Parked in front of a a phone booth and she's like fighting to get into a phone booth and is willing to die to get to a phone and it plows it over and she's not in there when he pulls away and it's just like, what the F is happening right now? It's perfect. And from there, it only gets like weirder, right? We have this whole sequence where he's escaping the office life (laughs) and there's this prescient aspect of it. Morpheus is predicting what's going to happen next in order to orchestrate Neo's escape. And then, of course, that leads to his capture. You have this whole debugging sequence of Neo and you're like, what the hell is this bug? And why isn't Neo bleeding out? And then you have this whole red pill teaser, right? I can't tell you what the Matrix is. I have to show you. And of course, after the fact, we realize that whole sequence of him taking the pill and the mirror overriding him, that can be whatever you want. That can be as weird as you want to take it. Because once you realize the truth, then that this is a computer program, that means there's really no limits that you need to construct around. Um, And so from a storytelling aspect get weird, get as weird as you can possibly get, because this is kind of the last time that you can blow the audience's mind before you let them in on the big secret. And so I also love that it's a mirror that kind of, you know, screws with his head because uh, the mirror, you know, heals itself and it's perfect because it's a reflection of the world, right? Mirrors reflect what you are surrounded by the, the reality, right? And this is not, This world that he's in is not a reflection of reality. And the fact that it's healing is, you know, prophesying, so to speak, uh, of what he's going to be experiencing, which is uh, reality will be healed and he will get an accurate reflection of what's going to happen. And so the red pill is exactly that. It's going to reveal reality and it's going to break through the illusion that's been presented, you know, the mirror. And so, of course, when we wake up, it's even more disorienting, right? Uh, The sophisticated stuff cityscape is gone we're waking up to a robot pulling us out of the goo and flushing us and being rescued and he's like being operated on it's so disorienting and it's perfect and so that whole opening section i just kind of look at as the mystery and it's demonstrating the universe without context to give you a sense of awe confusion and hunger for the answers just like neo and that's Just perfect, because now we are are just, we can't get an answer soon enough. Um, And so this next section is revealing the matrix is the way I think of it. And so they're going to reveal the matrix first by using the matrix, right? They're going to plug them back in and show them history as they understand it. Um, And then after that, they're going to show the powers of the matrix, right? Right the machine learning that he's able to go through and the fighting, right? We're going to demonstrate all the stuff that we've already seen them do. And we're also going to show why it's more than just a style. It's not just a fighting style. It's about the rules of the universe itself. Um, And that's why it works. That's why they're able to do all this cool stuff. Um, And of course, you know, we finally go and meet the Oracle and that sets up the entire second half of the film while asking the core conflict, which in this case is, is Neo the one that's central to this whole adventure Um, is Neo who we think he, he, he is the, the, the main character is he the special one Um, which is just another testament to this film to be able to use a, a, such a corny bit of dialogue, like the one, which maybe in this era. Wasn't as corny as all that nowadays. It's so cliche. And this film is certainly a big part of that. Uh, But even up until that point, if you played video games, you were every video game was about you being the one, the chosen one, um, and mm-hmm. so the the Matrix to still be able to use that kind of terminology uh, with a straight face and nail it is testament to everything they did—the writing, the acting, uh, the visual effects—all had to be in perfect harmony um, and groundbreaking, which of course it all was. But still, in that revealing the Matrix kind of segment, um, we also get the betrayal of Cypher because that uh, reveals the downsides of learning about the matrix. You're still revealing everything about what it is to be in the matrix and to be a part from the matrix. And that's of course asking a whole other question, which is is ignorance bliss is ignorance of the matrix bliss on some level is better to not know. And part of revealing the matrix is also to lose your guide uh, through the matrix, which was Morpheus. And so we lose Morpheus, which triggers the next segment of fighting the matrix, right? Neo has to make a choice in order to, you know, continue his, his journey, um, which was to fight against the matrix. And now we're going to use everything we've learned thus far to test and break the boundaries of the matrix. It's just, (laughs) it's perfectly structured storytelling. It, and world building completely in harmony with each other. Um, we go through the loading program, right? That Morpheus kind of indicated. Now we're going to see what the loading program can do. And they get every gun. And that's one of the things I was going to mention a minute ago, which was the ability to combine like martial arts and gunplay. You don't see a lot of. Usually films are one thing or the other. And in this case, they do both rather well. Now, let's say this is still overwhelmingly a martial arts film but it's not without a heavy amount of gunplay because they do that whole breaking and entering the office. Right. Uh, Which is just freaking cool. I mean, there's, that could have been as complex or as simple as they wanted it to be because all they did was get from the front door to the elevator and they turned it into like this eight to 10 minute, like beautifully choreographed, slow motion, fast motion, Thing, <laughs>
1: they do. They do a really amazing job of using slow motion to sh- to like hint to you something important is happening. You know, at there is a great thing they slow it down so you can see all the crazy amazing stuff that they're doing. Right, and obviously it looks beautiful, and that's the main goal too. But. They're not hiding behind a million cuts. Again, they're they're showing you everything. They're giving you the visual of all of it. Uh, an, another one when he's running at the end to to catch the um the, the phone mm-hmm. when he's running through the building, right when he turns that last corner and he's looking for the door, they slow it down, and so you're feeling like okay something's gonna happen, right? But the, this this whole movie is full of these brilliant little moments when. Before he gets into that building, you see Agent Smith looking up at a building. He watches them run. He watches an, a, another agent chasing Neo running past this building. He looks up. And then the next time you see Agent Smith is when he's behind that last door and he actually shoots Neo. Like stuff like that. The complex like the. The detailed, complicated, tiny little things inserted earlier on that when you watch it two, three, four, five, six times, you notice is what keeps you coming back. It's just
0: great. absolutely, and I want to add on in a couple of ways. If you notice beforehand whenever that guy he Neo steals the phone from the guy and he's like using it to call Morpheus or whoever and trying to find an exit, like you see another agent like Smith. A Smith, uh, different agent uh, nope. beforehand. Smith. Beforehand, bef- whenever he's on the corner and he turns, and I don't think that's whichever agent, it doesn't really matter. The point I'm trying to make is he taps his earpiece and he's monitoring everyone who's plugged into the Matrix. Suddenly, everyone in the Matrix is at his beck and call and is like a massive, you know, Department of Justice listening, big brother echolocation service. Right. And that's whenever he's able to take over the guy he just stole the phone from. And when we fast forward, they cut away. But I can imagine Agent Smith, as he looks up the building, he's in his mind, tapping his ear and listening in to where's that phone ringing? Let me teleport right next to that phone. I'm going to shortcut all this other garbage because these other idiots are never going to catch them. <laughs> and instead, I'm about to get to the uh, the bottom of this real quick. But the other thing to add to your point about the slow motion is obviously it's cool. But to your point, it's yes, giving us a really good idea of everything that's happening because they've thought through, they don't have to hide behind anything. But the other thing that they're doing by the use of slow motion is they're often using it as a perspective of what the agents or the Zionists experience compared to everyone else who's plugged into the matrix. And so whenever they're slowing down a moment, they're giving you actually what they're experiencing. The agent himself is able to, so for instance, uh, the the slow motion bullet uh, dodge, right? Whenever we get to the rooftop and we see Neo shoot at the agent, right? We're seeing Neo's perspective, what the agent is doing, which is, Blur. It's just him dodging bullets left and right by contrast. And so it's demonstrating, you know, Neo's perspective. And then we see Neo dodge bullets in slow motion. We're seeing his perspective of what it's like to experience real time. Real time is different to him. And so seeing how the agent move was a perfect example of what we're now going to experience when it's like to feel time slowing down or the ability to dodge bullets. Um, and so almost every time they're, they're slowing down, they're using slow mo is actually a perspective shift of, uh, not every time, but a lot of the time they're, they're giving you a perspective of what these other people are experiencing, uh, whether you're an agent or a Zionist, uh, which is pretty like, Beautiful. I would say it's right there in second place in terms of my all-time best use of slow motion from a storytelling perspective, right below Inception. Like, it's uh, this is just absolutely. It's thoughtful. It's very thoughtful yeah. because yeah, it's freaking cool. And I think most audience members are only going to take that away. Uh, but it's also like an actual storytelling method to let you in on what these people are, are experiencing um, in their own perspective. The As far as uh, the the whole segment of fighting the matrix, that's, that structure, there's one thing they do that I don't see. Maybe you can correct me here. I don't think there's any real use for, her, but it's just freaking cool. Uh, which is, when they drop the bomb down the 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 elevator, like I, that's pretty pointless. There's no payoff to that other than we get to see a badass explosion, and Trinity uh, and and Neo kind of uh, hold each other together as they rocket, you know, up the up the elevator shaft. It's just cool. I don't see a structural or stories component. Uh, but why not?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, to me, I just always saw it as like, okay, nobody else is coming up here hmm. kind of thing. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Could be <laughs> pointless just just to explode something, <laughs> just, just to, to blow something up, right? Why not? Why you not? Um, yeah. And then, of course, you know, when they go to save Morpheus, the whole,
0: you know, slow-mo bullets of the agent getting shot up. Uh, I guess there's only so many bullets they can dodge, but also the chopper crash is mm-hmm. after that opening sequence, you kind of feel like that. They just kind of burn all of their good ideas uh, because you get to the end of a movie that started so strong and then it just keeps getting stronger at a certain point. You're just like, they've peaked, right? They've, they've tapped out and then you get to the helicopter crash which story-wise is perfect right it's a sequence that shows neo's ability is growing as well as his care for trinity um and there's just something that's happening almost in the ether uh between them for him to like grab the the cord and her to coolly like go grab it herself shoot the <laughs> the tether and just uh but I'm also just blown away because I still don't know how they did that sequence. I I can't. I mean, the assumption there, of course, is CG. But it's just so well done that I, it melts my brain. Like it's it's yeah.
1: It's, I mean, obviously the explosion is CG, but yeah. the they really shot that in Sydney, mm-hmm. Australia, and they actually had to change the laws in order to be able to do that in <laughs> order to be able to film there because it was restricted airspace at mm-hmm. least at the time so it took like six months to prepare that shot or something i read and i was reading up and uh so yeah it was like the shot through the window of oh, the sure. hel- mm-hmm. helicopter coming down like that's yeah that's that's real too and yeah well yeah, I, I had to change them i just mean i don't
0: know how they actually got a helicopter to look like it's crashing into a building? Oh yeah. In 1998, whenever they were making this or whenever, uh, I don't
1: know. I also think that the the only reason some of the the um, CG might not look you know super good is because we're in 2021. Yeah. Um, but in 1999, nobody was complaining. It's, you know, I don't, I don't know how you do that. I have I have no idea. I don't know.
0: Yeah. But, and then the last segment after we've done the mystery, the revealing, uh, the fighting, using the matrix, fighting the matrix with the matrix, uh, you had that last segment of Neo becoming the one, right? And it's that moment that you already talked about. Like it's Neo gets to the phone, he's shot by an agent. And what I love about that scene is he doesn't get shot once. Cause he gets shot once and you're thinking, okay, there's still a chance. Then the agent just unloads a clip into Neo and that whole sequence is so good because for one, we're getting excited about him like making it to the phone and escaping. We don't realize that we don't want him to escape. We want him to become greater, but he gets there, he gets to the phone and everything slows down uh, in the most beautiful way. The audio becomes a whole other experience that's coupled with the visuals and the reaction shots the the angles that they use of the gun and the bullet hitting the ground it's just meticulous because this is an important moment you don't want to rush through it you want to really experience it and how soul crushing it is you know for everyone Neo for Trinity for Morpheus the viewer needs to experience all of that and they just perfectly planned it out point by point to let it last and uh, to reverberate for a while while still kind of maintaining a a modicum of hope before he just (laughs) empties a clip to him in a hallway and leaves no doubt in anyone's mind that this mofo is dead. And of course, the stakes are incredible right here because, right, Neo's trying to get out while the squids are breaking into the Nebuchadnezzar and then he dies. And now they're breaking in as Trinity is confessing her love. It's the darkest moment, right neo's dead. they're on the verge of death themselves. Are they just going to cut the cord and then of course, neo's resurrected by Trinity's love, which I think is important in contrast to the idea of a virus, and that that's one of the things that separates us from the virus is our capacity to love um, and our our human interaction, um, our ability to have impulses that we can a- act on, which is you know what Mouse is saying earlier in the film about you know to deny your impulses is to deny what. One of the things that makes you human and one of our impulses is love is to love each other and here and that's I think thematically important uh, an important reason of why Trinity is able to bring him back to life because for one he's not actually dead his he's only dead in his mind his physical body is completely fine but in his mind he's dead. And therefore, she's able to resurrect his, 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 you know, his mental state, his ability uh, to to see himself as alive again in the matrix, which is all that he needs in order to survive. Now, if that had been his physical body, that becomes a different question and, and resolution. But here in this case, because he's only dead in the matrix, he can still survive. Um, which great point in the moment doesn't feel like that's the case. He's dead. Right. How can he possibly be alive again?
1: Um, well, you know, because earlier earlier you know in the in the in the training scene where you have morpheus saying some rules can be bent and others broken right we were told the rules so that later we can break them and that's that's great point that's exactly what they do they break that rule of if you die and he says it if you die in the matrix you die in real life body cannot survive without the brain but his his brain is like it's still there he's He's yeah. Good. Thank you. Brave, I did not. I didn't catch that.
0: And you're 100% <laughs> correct with our powers combined. <laughs> uh, yeah. Cause I honestly
1: didn't, I honestly didn't catch the, the, I mean, I know obviously his, her love brings him back and stuff, mm-hmm. but how can he even hear her if he's actually dead, Yeah. you know, but he really actually wasn't right in real life. Yeah. So anyway, well, I, I do have a question for you. I know you're, you're still going, but
0: uh, uh, last note would be, we see him demonstrate how much stronger he is in the in the Matrix. The end. <laughs> like, <that's>
1: like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. The the flex after yeah, and the whole room flexes. Man, I, I tell you, like all of these just perfect moments, which is unbelievable. I loved um, cipher, uh, the implementation of cipher there where where he he you know you know, regrets taking the red pill and wants to go back. And so he betrays everyone. And I think that that's a, that's a great, because they've learned to navigate the matrix without getting caught. Right. And so you have to have something to make them get caught now or to be, they're not going to put themselves in harm's way. Right. They're going to go in knowing where the exits are. Right. But now, now, Because they've been betrayed, the agents have been able to change something, put brick walls where windows were and whatever. And so now they're going to get caught because of that and which leads them to catching Morpheus and that it needed to happen. But it's so great that it didn't just happen like it happened from within. We're fractured. We Mm. as people or as as a, a species are fractured. We're not perfect. And Cypher is a perfect example of that. But and then. And then and in that, we get to see what happens when you get unplugged. Mm. With uh I forget what are their names in the in the film who uh, die? Oh my switch. Switch, yeah. And uh, and, and switch uh, Apoc. And, Apoc, thank you. Uh. Gosh. Uh when they un when he unplugs them, we get to see the oh, they just you know, lifelessly fall down. And it breaks our heart. And we're thinking, how are we gonna get out of this again? You know? And then tank what's yeah. his name to the yeah to the rescue so I, just every single moment in this movie is more like you said earlier if you put it perfect it's like just more mind-blowing than the last and you think how can they get any more amazing and it just keeps going and going and going yeah i don't think there'll ever be another movie quite as perfect as this it, i mean i'm trying to think of another one and I honestly can't. You know, I said last time that this um, in the last episode, this is a seminal movie, not just for me, but I think for humanity in general. It changed the way we thought it was perfect in the writing. It was perfect in the acting it was perfect in the execution and the cinematography. It was perfect in the storytelling, even the stuff that now, 22 years later, we might find a tad bit corny. We love it. There are a couple of things that that uh, Keanu does where I kind of giggle every time, but I'm so glad they're there and they left him there. Like the, um, when, they, when they're, uh, he's fighting agent Smith in the subway. And that one moment where he just goes, he goes like this whole, huh, oh, so yeah. like, like two arm kind of rock thing. And then he <laughs> does the whole come hither. Um, it's a little corny, but I love that it's in there because it's a moment that's for me that I like, I wait for that moment. And then there's, yeah I, a couple others but
0: yeah that moment that little flex that you're talking about uh has always stuck with me and i feel like it influenced even hip hop i feel like that became part of uh certain hip hop moves really yeah let alone the whole the matrix itself became you know a bit of a silly move but i that's my impression i'm not as much as i love hip hop I, I don't follow I the dance moves and how they evolved or where they evolved from but yeah
1: well everything i mean it it literally permeated all of existence yeah. after it came out you know the, the, i think it i don't know probably within 2 or 3 years it became you know the thing right right the, oh, it became yeah. timeless quicker than anything else really, you know, 2001 is timeless. Yeah. But it wasn't timeless when, you know, always, this became timeless in almost immediately. When this came out, I didn't know about it. I didn't have TV in my house. I had, I
0: I didn't have access to cable. And so I didn't see previews. Like I only went to the movies and sometimes just pick a movie to watch or sometimes would go with friends and they wanted to watch a thing. My brother uh, was like, he had moved, he'd moved away. And so we were on the phone. He's like, you know, you seen the matrix. And I was like, no, what is that? And he was like, Oh dude, just go watch it. I'm not going to say a word. Just go, which is of course my favorite way to watch any movie. And so I'm yeah. like, uh, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to have time at the, t- at the point I had a few weeks left in my hometown. I was moving to Austin and he's like, no, 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 Listen to me, man, go watch this movie. So I grabbed a buddy of mine and he didn't know anything. So that's. Uh, ignorance. Not, ignorance, not, is bliss. ignorance is bliss it was i can't ever reproduce that right yeah one of the greatest yeah. movies ever written directed performed visually affected <laughs> like it's, yeah and yeah. you sit down not knowing anything and just have your scalp peeled back by the wachowskis
1: <laughs> that's so awesome i had the same I mean, I'd seen a trailer, but even here's the thing. The thing that movies used to do that they don't now is or that trailers, used to, they didn't give away the damn movie. Yeah. Right. Mm. The, the promotion for this movie was almost as brilliant as the actual movie itself. Oh. They they never told you what it was. They told you there's this thing. There's this thing that. When you find out what this is, it will change the way you you live your like you your existence, your whole existence, the way you look at the world. But you but they're not going to tell you anything about it. Like you get nothing, and it was all this like sparse, ethereal kind of stuff that you just you didn't get anything. And so by the time the movie came out, everyone's like, "What the fuck is this thing?" Like I I have to go just so I can find out. There was no internet really, and you know very few cell phones at the time. It was just. It was the perfect time for the perfect movie to come out like this. And uh, just trailers nowadays, they show you 99% of the damn movie and it drives me insane. Like just tell me there's a movie coming out. Show me a little bit of it so that I can see, you know, a little bit of like what it might look like, but then get out. That's it. You know, it makes me want to go and find out for myself, especially if it's all based around this thing that you're not telling me about, you know, which is perfect. Which is very much like the the conversation that Morpheus had with Neo in giving him the blue or the red pill. He's like, I'm going to kind of mm. tell you what this thing is, but then I'm going to tell you that I'm not going to tell you, <laughs> but I have to show you. Like three times, right? Yeah. Even even after he's brought into into the real world, he's like... Now, let me go show you what this is, you know, and then he has to plug him in. Yeah. Then he's still, try, you know, still, exposition, you know, but I love it. I love the slow burn there. I think like the first 45 minutes, Neo has like, I don't know, 70 lines or something <laughs> like doesn't say a whole lot. It's all this exposition being told to him, which is great because we are him. Mm-hmm. How can you watch a movie like this and not put yourself in Neo? You know, you are Neo yeah. when you watch this, you're finding this out. I'll right along with him and it's just beautifully executed man yeah so
0: if you were able to plug into the matrix for one session and learn a skill or a thing oh. what would what would be your thing what would you learn
1: oh man dude that is a great question that is that is a really great question uh i i would probably and we're not talking about like, cause you know, at the end of the movie he flies, we're not talking about that. Are we like, that's like the one, but like, yeah. if I could learn a skill, mm-hmm. a skill, or, uh,
0: or a piece of information. Yeah,
1: man, I, I don't, I don't know. I was going to say, yeah, probably how to how to like fly planes, I guess. Yeah. Or no, I like the fighting. I like being, you know, to learn Kung Fu. Yeah. Why not? Ooh. I like that because then I could like practice it all the time. I could like, you know do it myself and like, you know, like have something to do. Otherwise if I could just fly planes, then I can just fly a plane, like whatever. I don't know. What, what about you? That's a great question.
0: Yeah. I would probably learn like a language, if not all the languages, like I would want to mm, be able to oh, speak. So much
1: better than mine. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's yeah. I don't know that would, that's where my head goes. Um, that's a
1: great one. No, yeah. that's a, that's way more usable.
0: <laughs> um,
1: uh, well, blue
0: or red pill, red pill. I'm a red pill person, man. That's you. are. red pill. You want the truth. Yeah. It, even when it's inconvenienced, like, man, uh, it's nice to live with your illusions about the world and your place in it. But ultimately this is our only shot. This yeah. is all we get. I would, I'd rather know the truth, even if it's, you know, hell, you know, that's, yeah,
1: it's better than not knowing to me. Yeah. Hmm. You. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean I'd like to say red pill. Uh and yes, I say red pill. But you know, if I knew what I was getting like if it was actual hell. True. I don't know. Blue. Probably <laughs> the blue pill. <laughs> but you know, if it was just like a shittier version of this life, uh yeah, I think I can handle that. Yeah, you know, red pill. <laughs> yeah. You yeah.
0: take the red pill and you're now it, it, everything's the exact same except you have to stub your toe every time
1: you walk out the door. Nice. Oh, like, God. oh. Yeah. So annoying. Yeah. That's just annoying is yeah. really what it is. Like, uh, uh anyway. Uh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. That, that was great. I mean, literally I could, I could have a three hour episode on this, but, yeah. um, it, it's just such a great movie and so rewatchable and brilliantly executed. And, and, and it's not, it's not super, difficult to follow either it's which is crazy because it's so heady and yet it's so within our nature to think about these things some of them right not not necessarily within our nature to think if we're in a simulation like that's very new but the idea of there is no spoon is you know like yeah that that i think a lot people have thought about that for a very long time You know, or like that your mind is more powerful than what you can even imagine. I think people in general have thought that for a very long time. And to see it in a film like this executed uh, with an ending like that, too, is just so wonderful.
0: Yeah, it's the perfect pairing of verbal and visual exposition. Like Mm. they never leave one. they, They don't give you one without the other. They make sure that you're going to, as you're hearing about a thing, you're going to see what that means. And that, that can be really tough to do, especially when you get into these complicated ideas like simulation theory. Like that's, that's brutal, man. Yeah. Uh, And they just, it's flawless. Like, yeah, this is very much a a perfect movie as far as I'm concerned. Um, Nice. All that said, uh, what are you going to recommend this week?
1: Uh, I'm going to stick with Keanu Reeves. Cause I just love Keanu. He's, he's my, he's my man. Um, I'm going to go with a movie that I saw in the theater. Uh, I was a little young, but I did see it in the theater, uh, with, with Keanu Reeves, Dennis Hopper. Nice. All right. Yeah. I'm going to go with speed, uh, from 94. It's just, a, it's just a great little action film. Um, Keanu is best. I don't know with, uh, with Sandy. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was nice. a lot of fun.
0: Nice. Pop quiz. What am I going to recommend this week, Todd? <laughs> uh,
1: I don't know. Wrong. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, there's no way to guess. Uh, I don't know. Alex Perez made a, a little film that small budget, but had big ideas uh, called Dark City. Um, if you've never seen that, it's a sci fi. I don't know what else to call it. Thriller, I guess. Really fun, interesting, and visually uh, compelling. So if you've never seen Dark City, uh, check that out. And stay tuned for next week. Are you good with that one? I don't know. I don't have another idea if you're looking at the show notes. Uh, Yeah. Does that work for you? Yep. Okay. Uh, Stay tuned next week. We're going to do a little movie called Mad Max Fury Road, starring this guy that we sometimes like called Tom Hardy um, called. <laughs> and if you're enjoying the show, don't forget, drop us a review, subscribe on iTunes or all the things wherever you're listening and leave us a note. If there's something you want us to cover, we'll probably do it. We're, we're, we're easy that way. Uh, if you want to leave a note on this episode, you can do that at the pestle slash the matrix.
1: And our quote of the day today is from William Gibson. I think that technologies are morally neutral until we apply them. It's only when we use them for good or for evil that they become good or evil. That, that's a, I mean, I think for the most part, that's very true. Mm-hmm. I think something like a bomb might be a little different. I, I don't know how. I mean, I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> maybe the maybe you maybe the technology is built to, you know, destroy an asteroid that's headed for Earth. That's pretty good. Uh, typically though, those kinds of technologies are made for one purpose, but for the most part, I think that that's very true. Um, and I think that most of the time when people invent things or there's a new technology that comes out or something, it's with the intention for it to be good. I mean, I, maybe it's glass half full, pine in the sky, me, optimistic me, but I like to agree with that. Nice.
0: Yeah. So William Gibson, for those who don't know, uh, wrote a book called Neuromancer that's all about the matrix and it's about a guy a hacker who can jack into the matrix and do all kinds of mischievous things and very much a forebear of modern sci-fi uh it's very heady it's a terrible read like if you love that book cool good for freaking you man i had a really difficult time reading that thing because he is very much like that first segment of the matrix where Imagine that first segment where you're being thrown into the matrix except they never explain what's happening. the um, mm. uh, reading neuromancers like that. He's every sentence is very compact with data that doesn't really tell you what it means by itself. But this idea I really like a lot, you know, the idea that technology is is pretty neutral until it's applied. Like a bomb in and of itself, you're right, uh, has the capability to do evil, but the creation in and of itself isn't necessarily evil. It's only whenever you execute it, right? When you drop it. Cause yeah, maybe that bomb could be used to kill people or it could be used to blow up a dam and let the water flow to people who need it. All kinds of op- applications, right? Yeah, so conceptually, I really
1: like that. I don't know. That's all I got. I do too. I too. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, This is a blast. I can't believe it's taken us 170 episodes to do this movie. But uh, thanks for sticking with us. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Make sure to share us with your friends. Subscribe, review us on iTunes or anywhere you get your podcasts. And make a suggestion. We'd love to hear what you'd like us to to cover and to chat about. uh, Or just to hear from you. So, yeah. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, I'm Todd. I'm Wes. Go watch the movies.